Yo, yo, yo. It's the first episode of 2019. What's up, Mark? What's going on, dude? Oh, back in action. Back in action. We took a very long holiday break. Mm -hmm. We're, we've been just just snuck in before uh, February. <laughs> yeah, we can still catch up to maybe 26 episodes for the year if we stick to <laughs> some kind if of we cadence. Try. But yeah, here we are. Uh, we're both currently braving for a, like negative 50 degree weather tomorrow. Yeah, live so, from the polar vortex. Live from the the vortex, exactly. Uh, we got a solid episode today. We're gonna go over some news and notes. Uh, we're gonna cover off on uh, some fire festival chatter. Uh, bring back an old segment, and then we're gonna talk about future, uh, which is at one what it was at one point the only good album that came out so far this year. But then we had a really big week last week, which was really nice. Uh, James Blake also came out. Don't oh, yeah. be mean to him. Well. That wasn't the same weekend, was it? Yeah, it was. Future and James Blake dropped oh. at the same weekend. Fuck me. It's been a long, it's been a long January. It sure has. Uh, yeah, let's just let's dive right in. Actually, let's um, if y'all want to follow us on the social platforms, please do so. Uh, IG Earbuds Cast, Spotify the Earbuds, all one word. Uh, Twitter is Earbuds Cast. If I missed anything, are we on TikTok yet? <laughs> we will be remaining <laughs> off of TikTok. <laughs> Earbuds are TikTokless. Um, yeah, I guess before we drop into some 2019 stuff, uh, the first bit of news that came out a few weeks ago was the um, about the most sold album of 2018. It was Eminem. What the fuck? I that's not super surprising. He had so he's like always been like a massive seller. And so he's got this like base, I guess you could call it. Um, and well, not I don't know. It's like a weird. Um, well, so he's got he's like any anybody who li like listens to like rap probably at least gave it one go through just to kind of see what twenty eighteen Eminem is like. Um, and then he's like a household name, so people are going to tune in because it's a surprise drop. And then he has this weird subsection of fans who don't like rap music but are you know like eminem for various reasons even with all his like anti-trump stuff uh i it's like a big base he's drawing from yeah i guess what i'm mostly surprised by is the term like sold you know it wasn't just like most streamed or listened to or whatever it was legitimate sales of the album which is just uh, bizarre. bizarre that kind of backs up my point yeah, is yeah, like a, a lot of those people are not spotify or apple music subscribers they're going to target and walmart and like picking up physical <laughs> copies yo you get that kamikaze on cd yet <laughs> like which yeah. what's it like is that makes the surprise drop even funnier is if he did do a big portion of sales through physical it's like <laughs> might as well have just marketed it good point <laughs> yeah if he would have just like actually rolled it out I don't know. The sales numbers in music now confuse me. Because when I saw you said just put most sold album, I thought that included streams and stuff because we're in 20... I don't know. No, yeah, so... It's yeah, weird. It's, it's that weird. whole... Yeah, it's strange. Uh, speaking of, well, there's a really dope article. Did you see that article on The Ringer about um, 
like compensation in the streaming age by any chance? I saw like the gist of it. Um, a lot of one percents and ninety nine percents thrown around. Yeah, a lot of percents. <laughs> it's worth a worth a read if you're ever interested in how um, artists get paid and how your paid subscription gets divvied up amongst yeah, well, the streams of the world. The general thrust was that it was there's like a large inequality, right, between the premium artists, not premium, but top artists and yeah so the basically the yeah the crux of it and then we can out to move on i don't want to take on big corporate um streamers quite yet with our hundred listeners <laughs> whoa bleep that uh, out we uh so what happens is you're let's just say like you pay ten dollars a month for spotify premium that ten dollars does not get evenly distributed to the bands that you listen to most every month so like that money all gets pooled together with everyone else's subscriptions and then it gets divvied out to all the streams so like if you are a heavy listener of small bands like you could help support them if you're like if they have a cult following which is like similar to what like the early '90s like punk music mm-hmm. like way of like you can have like a small loyal following and make a career out of this, but now like small bands don't do very well or have a harder time making a living out of this because in the streaming age because of that, like the, yeah, your money I mean, doesn't go to them. Your money goes to Drake. Uh, yeah, if you're actually like out to support these smaller artists. You do it by bu- buying like a vinyl or like a t-shirt online and then going to their show when they come through like yeah yeah that ghost makes it like like a way bigger difference yeah go see your favorite bands live and buy their merch absolutely yeah. uh all right let's uh let's move on next piece of business uh j cole uh he dropped the first single from the revenge sessions <laughs> or whatever the fuck he's calling it uh <laughs> the single is called middle child thoughts it's all right uh i i don't know i didn't have like a huge like reaction to it i thought he like raps pretty well on it i don't know it's like j cole you know like he's a technically like technically skilled rapper and like i he just doesn't grab me we've been over this but this there there was nothing on it that stood out which usually there's one or two like clunkers where I go, oh man, um, but I, it's just kind of like I was like, yeah, this is fine. I probably won't listen to it again, but I'm excited to see what else comes out of those sessions, though, because it looked like there are a lot of interesting people there. Yeah, Smino and Saba got invited, yeah. which is sick. Uh, I mean, my take is the exact same. I just think it's fuck. It's annoying that J Cole is complaining how he doesn't have a place in rap because he's like between the old and the new. And it's like that is so on brand. It's like, dude, just. Well, I do think I that like, the the anti J Cole like maybe it's just on Twitter where it seems more amplified, but like it seems like it's becoming a bigger mindset of just like people pushing against J Cole. To it, it would be interesting. I don't know if it has gotten to the point where he gets to push back against that necessarily. But which would be cool. It would be him trying something new. He does the same thing. Well, I think that's kind of like what this song was, right? I don't know. 
Or you took middle child as like in between generations. Yeah, I took it as uh, in That's like the most that's the most obnoxious complaint. Like going back to Eminem fans. Oh, I was born in the wrong generation. So yeah. It's shut like, up. Just like it. enjoy the I don't know. No, it's not deleted. Just like go listen <laughs> to New Wave then. Yeah. Uh that's I guess to your point, I'm excited to see what else comes out of the the revenge sessions. Um we didn't get an invite, which is upsetting. Yeah. Uh, we would have rapped about poop alongside J. Cole, his favorite <laughs> lyric of all time. Uh, and I would like to segue into one of his arch nemesis and other um, self-described extremely lyrical rapper, Lil Pump. Uh, he posted on Twitter that he is, quote, scientifically the most lyrical rapper of all time. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Where's uh, the... What science? <laughs> I, like, I don't know. The fuck? He has a song where he just says Gucci Gang 90 times. Yeah. Well, there was... Um, I'm going to mention this and not gonna, I'm never going to be able to find the link to it. But, <laughs> Sick. Um, we'll post it in the notes, maybe. It's like infographic that was floating around where this guy had gone and charted... Um, the unique number of words in each selected rapper's discography. Um, So it was sort of like, you gave an idea, like obviously you have like guys like Aesop Rock, not Aesop Rocky, but Aesop Rock is like towards the right with like oodles and oodles of unique words. Um, But it just came out 2019, he had updated it and added about like a dozen new people I think Lil Pump might have been on there towards the opposite end. Like least so, words used? Yeah, so I'm wondering if that's in response, like that tweet was in response to that. I don't maybe know. He, maybe he was kidding. I don't know. Yeah. All right. But well, I, did, I didn't know that backstory. That's a funny tweet. Uh, that's also uh, could very well not be the case at all. Yeah, he might have just been doing his own yeah. whatever. It's funny to me that J. Cole and Little Pump have a beef. Yeah, like... <sighs> that's a very, like, 2018 rap mood. <laughs> yeah, but that's super lame because, it's like... so lame. See, if J. Cole, like... Once again, J. Cole, like, legitimately, like, a like skilled rapper. It's like, go after somebody who, right? like, yeah. It's like, damn, dude. <laughs> I thought that Middle Child was going to be that because he starts it off about, like... Drake gave him a watch, but he's like the middle child. I thought maybe he was going to go after him, but no, he's like, I don't like dissing people. Like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on from these news and notes. Oh, one last piece. Uh, we're not going to talk about it in depth, but what do we think about this Weezer cover album? Uh, it's so bad. Is it as bad as the internet takes, or was it just an over-exaggeration? I have not listened to it. It's not, all right. It's not like particularly bad because it's basically... Uh, there's just like pretty straightforward covers like so it's basically rivers cuomo just doing karaoke to these songs they don't like attempt to like put their own twist on it or anything like when i saw the track list like obviously like michael jackson and tlc stood out but i was like oh like they're gonna do a black sabbath song and that reminded me like cake has a really cool cover of war pigs but this like paranoid cover is they like just like lean into like the thrash metal sound and they, they do like the heavy guitars and everything 
and they like uh like mess with his voice too to make it sound like more metal it's like just i don't like what is the point of this i have no idea i i I like the yeah all the i tweeted it but i will reiterate all the clickbait headlines about their cover of africa just got to their head like so quickly absolutely it did i'm not gonna listen to it it's also like weezer they're at the point where they're they're just making music and they like they have put out a ton of albums that have just like the opposite of eminem where like I mean, I, they were never as big as Eminem was, but they were relatively big in their heyday. And these albums are just kind of like flopping out and like having no impact at all. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't try to do anything interesting with this most recent release because they also got torched by SNL. Uh, that Matt Damon skit where they try to debate over Thanksgiving dinner whether or not Weezer is good is very funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It would have been cool if they actually like came out and. Well, I think they do still have another album coming out. Or, uh, All right. I think it's like the it's either the black album or the white album is what they're calling it. Which, Don't care. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I like. I find myself still every Weezer release. I give give it a listen through and just like, ah, I'm not coming back to that. <laughs> yeah. There we go. One stream. Uh. All right. Let's get into let's bring a, a old segment back from the heyday episodes one through God knows when we stopped doing this, but let's bring it back for 2019. We're gonna do singles of the week, and what a perfect way to kick off the year by having an incomplete segment. I do not have a single of the week, so Mark, do you wanna? Uh, actually, let's play it. Let's play a quick snippet, uh, oh. and then let's discuss. So we're gonna play. Uh, a new single, it's called Jawbreaker. It's by Injury Reserve featuring Rico Nasty and Pro Teens. together get your jaw up off the floor how come you're staring like you don't know what it's for get your shit together get your jaw up off the floor Shit. we got these niggas looking at me like i never Shit. seen a nigga put a real ass fucking fit together they're so used to looking at these new Shit. goddamn instagram y'all niggas seen these instagram pages where they literally tell you the whole entire outfit in the price range from head to toe, nigga. So today, Ian Connor doesn't happen to have anything on top of his head, but he does happen to have the Supreme Playboy collab jacket on. And we're just gonna go ahead and skip to the bottom because can you guys notice? So that was Jawbreaker, um, the lead single off of self-titled debut album coming up from Injury Reserve. They've released a few projects in the past few years, each of varying styles, and so everybody was kind of interested to see how this one would sound, and the answer so far is very strange. It's a very, like, off 
off-kilter kind of interesting sound for a lead single. Yeah, um, I was surprised by the pick. I don't like this song. That's fine. Um, I don't love it. It is very unique, though. It is a very, very unique sound. That's kind of why I picked it. I don't love it, but I really like Injury Reserve, and I wanted to talk about them. The- and I, 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 I do think the lyrics are... Because it kind of tackles, like, Instagram fit culture and stuff, which neither of us are close to participating in. But uh, um, As I slam my fifth beer with the pizza in an oven right now? <laughs> no, fit, like, outfit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the album for the single cover is, like, a bunch of, yeah. like, really sick clothing with, like, the tags on it, which is cool. It's a very cool cover. Yeah, and so they they kind of tackle that and how you know the vanity and stuff, kind of sarcastically take it on. But they also shout out, uh, not shout out, but call out Ian Connor, um, and allude to rape allegations about him that have been swirling for what seems like years now. Um, Ian Connor. He's like a. He used to work with Kanye and be, like, his sort of stylist, but now he's just, like, an Instagram figure um, who, like, yeah, he just, like, is, like, an Instagram model, basically. But there's, like, a ton of rape allegations against him that he's just kind of posting through, basically. Um, So, yeah, they... The line is something, like... uh, They're going through, like this hypothetical outfit that Ian Connor is wearing and they're like, oh, and finished off by rocking the Rape 1000s. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's like a fun Murphy Lee reference in Air Force One. Murphy Lee rocks. The Murphy Lee reference rocks. Yeah. Shout out that. Uh, yeah, definitely go check out this single uh, if you're interested in kind of some off off the beaten yeah, and check out their uh, other projects too. Like live from the dentist office is more kind of low key, like chill rap, and floss is just a ton of bangers. Yes, sir. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hop into the Firefest segment. Um, this was kind of wild that uh, we're gonna talk about this again, like a year and a half later. Uh, our third ever episode was basically when the festival it was crashing se- down semi happened and we yeah. like live reacted on the podcast to the cheese plate pick <laughs> i think that's still one of our funniest segments is Dude, the lord of the, the flies go back and listen to it we uh did a lord of the flies rapper segment where we compared uh characters from lord of the flies to current artists um it was very funny uh, I tweeted about it, hashtag TBT, and your dad hopped in the mentions, and I was really, <laughs> yeah. really happy about it, so that fucking rocked. Um, we love the mentions. It's going to be a big year for Ear Buddies 2019. We're all, we're in it for... We're on track for 12 episodes, We're on baby. track for 12 full episodes. But let's talk about the the documentaries. Um, I guess let's start off quickly with like a quick comparison of the two. Um, what did you like? Which Which one did you like more? Um, and what was your biggest takeaway, I guess, from each? And, like, how were they How were they different? So I think I liked the Hulu doc way more. Um, I thought just as strictly as a documentary, it was better produced. 
and it's like it was engaging and there's uh the netflix doc just felt like a lot of just straight footage where there's like more interesting stuff going on in the hulu doc uh there is a lot of overlap right i enjoyed um the hulu doc also wove in like a very interesting commentary on like the millennial generation that the netflix doc kind of touched on with like the fomo stuff but it was sort of like the entire lens of the hulu doc was filmed through almost yeah i would i second that and i think the the biggest difference in my biggest takeaway is that the netflix one was like a little bit lighter it kind of breezed Mm -hmm. through the whole thing um and it was way more about like wow look how fucked up this whole thing was whereas hulu's was more like hey look at these crimes and how the scam happened yeah. Which I thought was more interesting to me. Yeah, they um, definitely gave a more detailed kind of a step-by-step of what Billy McFarland was, like, like almost hit, like, the fraud timeline. Yeah, right. It was, definitely was more fraud-based, yeah. whereas Netflix was more to your point, the footage. And the reason they had that is because it was produced in part by uh, Jerry Media, um, which is the social media company from Fuck Jerry. Uh, they also were partly in charge of running marketing and social for the entire festival. So that kind of brings me to this next point. What did you make of the, the ethics situation in both documentaries? Because there's definitely some eyebrow raisers for both. Yeah, that's turning into like a story of its own there's right? think pieces being written about that now and uh so that I'll, I'll say first like a couple more points on the netflix doc because i don't want to like shit on it completely because i do think it was good and in a vacuum if hulu didn't documentary cut them i think it would have been much better received um and i did like that they there was a very humanizing look at the impact of like the bohemian employees who got frauded yeah Um, i feel like the netflix one did a better job of um highlighting some of those struggles and like how shitty yeah the uh fired media people were to the workers and like how decent the people of the bahamas still were like the lady with uh the chef lady who was like basically tapped into fifty thousand dollars worth of her savings mm-hmm. that she could feed shout out to her for having fifty thousand dollars in savings seriously <laughs> i was like god damn girl like, i can barely pay my one bedroom apartment <laughs> in Bumtown, chicago jesus i just dropped like seventy dollars on pizza and beer in the apocalypse jewel and i was like all right gotta i can't go out next weekend she's out here paying for like a whole city to eat yeah but yeah like that whole thing is is like kind of bonkers to me that they like it's not surprising they like royally fucked over everyone um and shout out a few uh gofundmes or kickstarters that have popped up Mm -hmm. since to help which i think those are a direct uh directly come from the netflix doc and not the hulu doc yeah i agree I agree. Uh, but to get back to your original question about the kind of muddled behind the scenes stuff. So watching the Hulu doc, you like don't know, you don't get any sense of like that they had paid Billy McFarlane. 
Whereas like watching the Netflix doc, it very much like the entire time seemed like it was like an open casting call as like an image rehab opportunity for the people who worked behind the scenes on the festival. Oh, absolutely. It was a PR move. The yeah. Netflix, the Netflix one felt like a PR stunt yeah. for everyone involved. Which like they get some like funny stories and stuff about it. Uh, but uh, I still, I like... I had a hard time, like, even at the end when they were like, I'm in this much debt, like, I feel really bad. I felt, I had a hard time feeling bad for the higher-ups of the companies involved. I felt really bad for um, the people that worked at Fire Media that were not involved in the festival. So everyone that was right. actually yeah. working on the software for the app, because they ended up... Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, like, definitely go watch it. Everyone's talking about it. Um, part of the FOMO Mark talked about earlier. Uh, that, shout out us generation. Um, but, like, those people got fucked over because halfway through they were just like, oh, yeah, we have no more money to pay you. Sorry. Um, yeah. There's which... not getting paychecks. We still expect you to work for this startup, but, like, you don't have any money. So Yeah, and then they, like, wouldn't lay them off. or Yeah, yeah they wouldn't fire them so that they could end up taking – like unemployment checks it's like a whole thing is like so skeezy and like shitty um and then i felt really bad for um other than the locals like the people that actually worked on the festival that from the outside that did attempt to do a good job like the the yoga instructor dude who was like a music festival consultant actually Mm -hmm. like seemed to be trying to do the right thing and Mm -hmm. they the part and like this kind of maybe segues into one of our what we'd like to talk about, but there was a part in the documentary that struck me um, where he sent like four emails to Billy and Grant, and Grant is um, the shitty guy who doesn't know anything. Uh, that guy rules. He fucking sucks <laughs> ass. That guy is so shitty. He's like if Turtle was more ambitious. Yes. He's, that, like that entire, like he's both turtle. documentaries, I was like, damn, he's Turtle like trying so hard. He's Turtle like season four when he tries his limo business with all the models. Yeah. Uh, but like some of the people were actually trying. So like I felt kind of bad for them that they're, they're, their name is attached to this. But the ethics situation's fucked up. Like, for the Netflix documentary, the company who was in charge of social media is now producing the PR stunt, like, image rehab doc. Um, and they definitely tried to make it seem like, oh, we didn't have any insight into what was going on at the festival. Like, our job was just to post images. And, like, I semi-get that. But, like, I work at an advertising agency, and there's no fucking way that you're that unaware. Like, there's, right. you you know some stuff. Like, there's, yeah, there's no it, fucking they, way. They were like, yeah, we just, like, uh, partied in the Bahamas, and, like, Billy, like, <laughs> passed out, uh, like, yeah. on the beach. They stopped um, I was like, I was shocked when things didn't pan out. And they keep <laughs> like, talking about like, on. oh yeah, we've had to keep using the same like imagery from the first two photo yeah. shoots. And it's like, oh yeah, like four months has gone by and you didn't have an ask for like new imagery or like new photo shoots. Like what? I, that's like not how this works. Anyway, so that pissed me off. And then the, the I mean, the Hulu one, they also are kind of in an ethics situation because mm-hmm. they paid Billy so that they could interview him 
which it was interesting in the Hulu doc. With full disclosure, I'm I like had no idea. Like I first, like when I first read that, I was like, yeah, I got do what you got to do to make your movie. I had no idea that that was like a big no no in journalism. Yeah, because I think yeah, I mean that that's bad. Um, but also like, it's bad they had to pay this this guy who's obviously fraudulent. Well, yeah, it sucks on. that he got yeah. money. Yeah. Which, yeah, the whole thing is kind of weird. But, like, at least in the Hulu one, which was nice, they did try to at least, like, press him on some issues. Like, they made him uncomfortable enough for at one point he had to It wasn't up. a softball interview. No, they definitely yeah. didn't just, like, let him do a PR stunt. Like, they definitely pressed him on some shit. So, the I like the Hulu one more um, mm-hmm. from that aspect. Maybe let's talk, since we already kind of got into it, like, our favorite quotes, parts of the docs favorite least favorite characters and then i think we should end with some jaw stuff yeah um well i just kind of like as a last like general thing uh the reason that this whole story got so big was like just peter shade and fruit uh and the hulu one delivers that so much better than netflix just because they're they both have like interviews and kind of follow like these like influencers, but the Netflix or the Hulu one is much less sympathetic towards them. And it like, they asked like them, like the, Oh, what's your brand? And oh, you, yeah. they just like, just like give the most vapid answers. And like, they knew like they would get those answers and ask uh, it. The, Where, like, the Netflix doc is just kind of like, yeah, they're, like, paying customers. Like, they got screwed. But I that's not like, what I'm there for. Like, I'm there for, like, these... <laughs> yeah. Like, the Hulu one, in my opinion, did a much better job of um, it, it humanizing what, the yeah. influencers and then making it, like, you... You didn't feel bad for them, but they were like, oh, their life isn't that great. Like, they got, they got fucked, and that's really funny. Like, yeah. That, that rocks. The Netflix one was a lot lighter and a lot um, – mm-hmm. it didn't get into – which is a, a, another interesting piece of this that, like, is going to be a, a big um, part of I don't know, the future of advertising and even economics and, like – marketing for the next couple of years is how the government decides to regulate influencer marketing and like what they can and cannot say and how much (laughs) insight they have because like part of this shit that came out of this fire festival is like hashtag ad yeah like bella hadid like sent these messages obviously to like millions and millions of people and some of them like sold all their belongings to go to this festival, and now they're like kind of fucked over until they get their class action lawsuit. But it's like she doesn't know. But like, should she yeah. have known? Like, how much in how much due diligence should these personalities be doing into these yeah things that they're that they speak on their behalf? It's very interesting. Well, and then like then it's yes, yeah, like what constitutes an influencer is right, the like, other thing. It's like. Yeah, if I'm many, just like like shit posting and just like saying dumb stuff, and they're like, I like I don't have followers. Like, why? Like, why I get to do that? But like, where is the line then? Is it like right. X amount of followers? Right. It's very. I mean, it it will be interesting if anyone like is geeks out on that kind of weird shit. But I do. So, uh, 
whatever. That'll be cool to see over the next couple of years, just like how that all shakes out. Uh, it gets regulated, but like, okay, favorite favorite parts and quotes of the the doc because there are some real fucking highlights from <laughs> from these two documentaries. Well, uh, should we start off with the big banger? <laughs> the Netflix meme. Dude. Andy, what are you doing? Uh, like you, <sighs> how do you like get into that situation and are just not like? I'm going to get a plane back and just walk away from this. <laughs> like... Mark, I thought about that scene the entire way to work this morning. Just like imagine. Okay, so if you if you haven't seen the movie, we're talking specifically about um, a guy named Andy. He is the producer of the event or one of the producers of the event. He supposedly is boys with Billy. He's older. He's a mentor to him. Um, he has helped Billy run a couple businesses, blah, 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 blah. Billy orders like 9 million bottles worth of Avion water. They're stuck at customs. Billy calls Andy and says, we're going to need you to take one for the team. And what he means by that, and Andy decides to, to describe on camera, is that um, he needs to go suck the customs officer's dick in order to get all the, the water <laughs> into the festival. And I can't, for the life of me, understand why one human being... And he fully admits to going into the office ready to do it. Yeah. And, and, like, it doesn't play out that way. Uh, but, man. So... At what point, like... Why in the fuck would you do that for Billy McFarlane? Like, tell, like I want to know why why that, that was a thing. It's so fucking bonkers. That scene and segment is unreal. And I knew it was coming, too. I had seen and read about it prior to, like, actually watching the documentary. I had, I had only the- seen memes and, like, had... A very vague idea of oh god, kind of the context, and then like as soon as he started telling the story, I was like, oh Jesus, Dude, <laughs> and it ended exactly how I was like, oh man, yeah, it's fucking incredible. So that's a, that's a top scene. Uh, one of my other favorite scenes is just like very unsettling and uncomfy is when, so again. I want to paint this picture, not that I'm like an advertising expert by any means, but it is what I do for a living. There's a part where um, Ja Rule, Billy, and Grant, that fuckstick Grant, they're all sitting on the beach in the middle of the night on their first photo shoot, and they're drinking heavily with all these bottles having a bonfire, and they paid this advertising agency to come shoot video and film a commercial, okay? And instead of, like, actually doing it the right way and, like, letting this company direct and, like, film a commercial, they just just told them, just film all day. Film everything. Just, like, film us do whatever we want, which is so ass backwards, but whatever. Then, as they're sitting there at night, they are, like, trying to describe the perfect scene, the perfect scene in shot. And Ja Rule is, like, harassing this model to jump into the water because it'd be the quote the perfect shot and she's like i'm not getting in the water and all this time like they paid another company to come like direct a commercial like if they wanted to do it themselves they could have maybe saved themselves like a million dollars 
that they could have used to actually pay Major Laser. Like that whole scene, I was like, wow, you guys are fucking so stupid. I cannot believe they were just drunk with Coronas around a bonfire describing how they should shoot a commercial. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah, man, it's it was just amateur hour. The whole uh, it's pretty baffling. Um, I like I, there's not a lot of like specific scenes that pop out to me, but there's some of the characters which I want to get into. My guy, um, I already forgot his name, even though I watched the Netflix one last night. The original pilot they hired who trained him <laughs> trained himself to fly by playing microsoft flight simulator and would just do zero g exercises for them and then he and that's not what got him fired he got fired because he was raising the point that like yeah we need way more porta bodies <laughs> Dude, I don't get Billy it. was like, I'm sick of this. Get him out of here. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much fucked up shit. But, like, that guy seems to be, like, Trump would maybe hire him to be, like, head of oh, aviation. yeah. Like, oh, he's a self-learned man. Like, no. Well, the, 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 no, the wild thing, because he's introduced as, like, I'm the pilot. I taught myself, like, by playing this video game. Um <laughs> But then, like, like the next scene, like, the other scenes yes. he's in, he's, yes. like, the most competent person in the room. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, planning, like, multiple aspects of the festival for them. And, like, he basically, like, brought up too many good points and he got fired. Yeah, dude. Um, another, it's quite the character arc. He's a, he's a, great, he's a great character in that documentary. Um, I also want to bring up the uh, fact that uh, speaking of like people kind of bringing up things that they weren't necessarily a part of, but obviously see as a huge clusterfuck, the person I don't remember who it is in the film. Um, so uh, for, if again, if you haven't watched it yet, they overbook, and there's going to be like 300 people that are coming to the festival and don't have tents or anywhere to stay, and they still haven't figured that out the day of the festival. And then uh, they also bought like 250 villas. Um, private villas for people and the day of the festival billy lost the keys to the villas <laughs> how the fuck do you do that i almost like i heard that and i was i feel like that's another lie and oh, that I'm sure it is but he like, like didn't even have the keys and like for whatever reason he thought that like saying that is better than just being like yeah i never even paid for him what the fuck yeah you're probably right <laughs> But, like, e either know. way, it's just like, yeah, you're just an idiot. Yeah, dumbass. Okay, any, uh, who else are your favorites, people you want to talk about? We got to talk about um, John at some point. I just, dude, Grant, he, he just ruled. Like, that is, because everybody, like, not everybody. Oh, I knew but... what I was going to say. Um, real quick, before we get into Grant, um, people, like, doing things that they're not supposed to. Um it fucking bothered me so much that the person so in the Netflix documentary one of the guys from Fire Media is like oh yeah like Billy put me in charge of putting the the lineup together he's like I've never booked talent before it's like what are you what <laughs> yeah he is he's like literally like on the phone like 
Yeah, he's uh, like, oh yeah, we just booked Major Laser. Definitely overpaid. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh my god. So, yeah, I paid twice market price. <laughs> that whole thing, I was like... Yeah, like... if No he, wonder you guys ran out of money. Like, like, yeah, like, I could book an awesome festival if I had, like, an uh, unlimited amount of fake money. <laughs> oh my god, that was ridiculous. Okay, let's get back to Grant. That part bothered me a lot, and I wanted to make sure I didn't forget that. They uh, I was put just... a guy in charge of the music, the thing that people came for, who has never done that job. That'd be like, just Martin, like I, was, I mean, like, they had a pilot who didn't know how to fly. They had a lineup curator. <laughs> well, he knew how to fly. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he had to teach himself. But like, what the fuck? He's a self-learned man. Oh my god. Okay, back to Grant. Uh, he, I don't, he's just like embodies like. It's just like, like so many aspects of like different people that you like don't like, and it's just like the tryhard at work who's like still like not very good but like does a lot and just like ends up screwing up. Um, and but like the I think it was in the Hulu doc where they're talking about like the composition he wanted for the for the like ad is incredible. He's like like oh a steel drums here and then it's gonna crescendo into like these like folk guitars oh. <laughs> like uh it's so good uh it's i mean it's quite the quite the cast of characters involved which leads us to one jaw rule i also I yeah before, right before we get into jaw i just want to speak on like Watching the whole thing gave me so much so much anxiety because they obviously didn't have enough places for people to actually stay. And, like, I love hosting things. And the whole time I was like, <laughs> I get fucking anxious when I don't have, like, enough chairs for people to sit in. Imagine, like, booking a festival in a different country and, like, not providing somewhere to stay. I was like, nah, this, this, guy, this guy never hosts a Super Bowl party again. Who would trust this guy? Like, what the fuck? I don't know. It made me so mad. It made me so so mad. Anyway, okay. His job. buffalo dip was cold the entire night. Yeah, guy can't even make buffalo dip. He used two things of cream cheese instead of four. Um, to jaw, our sweet sweet hip hop mogul entrepreneur, jaw rule. Is he dumb, smart, oblivious, all of the above? What do you think, uh, jaw? I I don't know if smart is the word I would use to describe him, but he's definitely in on it and probably dumb. Like, there, because in that same scene where you were talking about earlier, where they're trying to come up with their own advertisement around the bonfire, uh, they literally, like, said, we should market it as a pipe dream. Yeah. Which is not, like, that's, like, a 100%, like, a negative connotation. Like, they knew what they were doing. Oh, they absolutely knew what they were doing. And he was, he was, so his whole kind of defense now is, like, saying he was hoodwinked, among among other things. Um, I, too, was bamboozled. Yeah, uh, but he is, his bad Netflix doc shows him in so many scenes. He is around a lot. Yeah. He, Which is like the most incriminating. It's just like no, the amount, the like the longer you spend like directly next to that guy, like the more it's like okay, you're just like in in cahoots with him. And it's not like he hasn't been here before. He went to prison 
for tax evasion. Yeah. Like, was he um part of Magnesis? Yes. He okay. also was a part of. Oh Magnesis. yeah, so he absolutely knew. Yeah. Of course he knows. I don't know how he hasn't taken the fall yet. I I, I don't get it. Like, what is John? So maybe doing? there is there is some. He did something smart to like that he's still just like all he's doing is just like tweeting like oh yeah i was like bamboozled or hoodwinked or yeah whatever i don't care and just goes on with his life after this is pretty wild um listening to him so on the netflix documentary near the end it's the entire fire company on a conference call talking about what they're going to do next and everyone's like well i don't know oh yeah and and all the (laughs) employees and all the employees are like Hey guys, like you and Billy and Jaw like really fucked us. Like we don't know what to do. And Jaw Rule has nothing better than saying like, "We just gotta fucking grind. We just yeah. gotta fucking get through this." And I was like, "I hate this person." Like, well, I, and they're, they're they're like, "You committed fraud," and he goes, "It's not fraud. It was false advertising." Oh, <laughs> just oh. Like, it's like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. I'm not entirely sure what what jaw has on someone that he hasn't been taken down yet he launched um the same fire media application which is a the whole point of fire was to as a booking app for talents like if you wanted beyonce to come sing at your birthday party you could just like hop in the app and pay her to come uh and so jaw has launched a similar app called icon uh with one of the other founders of fire so we'll see what happens with that, but I don't see it ending well. Yeah. So one, here's a million dollar idea. If they're doing, it's, they, they described it as Tinder for booking talent. Why not TikTok for booking talent? Yeah, why not? I don't know what that would entail, but it seems like a good combo. Why not an app for celebrities to hire average people to come to their events now we're thinking yeah. well yeah so like the biggest question i like sat down with after these two docs was who are we scamming nick what's your next scam <laughs> send mark and i money uh, we'll post our venmos later today send us patreon money. and bio uh we'll have exclusive episodes for those that pay um we're also gonna have exclusive playlists for those that send us on vacation um mark and i would really like to go to rolling loud the festival looks really nice but we can't afford to go so if any followers want to you know send us there by all means we'll somehow find free stuff to give you all right yeah all right let's let's move on from fire um we're going to talk about this is our, our first uh, album discussion of 2019. Uh, we're going to talk about Future. So a couple weeks ago, Future released what I think is like his seventh studio album, but he releases so many projects. Who's keeping count? Um, I, th- what I find most kind of, uh, I don't know, crazy, wild about this release is that it was his sixth Billboard number one album in the last three and a half years. Um, matching Elton John. Yeah, matching Elton John, which you never thought you would see those two in a headline maybe next to each other. Except Elton John's kind of boys with Young Thug, so who knows. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I mean, I think we're both real big fans of the album. Let's let's dive into it. What were your uh, first impressions from yeah. this, this so, album? Uh, album title: Future Hendrix presents The Wizard. By wizard. the way, you're a wizard, uh, Harry. Presented by Progressive. <laughs> presented <laughs> by earbuds. <laughs> um. So I I don't know if I've gone on record on the pod earlier, but I enjoy Future and listen to him but i've never like considered myself like a future stan or anything um like when i saw that this album was coming out i was like oh cool future album and kind of carried on until it came out um with that said this is probably like far and away my favorite future project wow yeah wow i was not expecting that ever probably wow okay okay what makes it so um, high in your ranking, I guess? That's like, a good question. Like what about oh. it makes it your favorite? Because giving it a lot of part, thought. Part of what I think we're going to talk about is how he's maintained such a consistent flow, style, whatever. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. really go beyond what he's really good at. So to me, a, so lot, of, a lot of his good I... projects are all the same to me. Correct. Now, I think this is, I mean, this is definitely very much in the lane of, like, his entire discography. Yeah. Uh, but, so it's, like, 20, 20 songs, around an hour, uh, but it's it goes quick, and it flows. And most of the songs are, like, two and a half minutes, two minutes, and so it's one thing to the next. He's got a bunch of fun hooks. Um the longer songs, any song over three minutes feels like has like an awesome beat switch towards the end where it's just like the beat switches and then you get Future just like rapping his ass off at you and it's awesome. Um, it's, uh, it was, I also think another part, maybe a very large part is um, this dropping in January is like, this is the most that I've been like, oh, I get future now. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's like sad weather out. Like, I hate the winter, and like January is like dog shit and my least favorite month. Um, and I, it's like, oh, this is like, this is the most I've like, kind of like vibe with future. I think, it is and that very, that could be like a big part of it too. It is very melancholy. Yeah, um, at Van Newkirk. He was talking about James Blake's album, which came out on the same day. But he was like, "Oh, dropping the seasonal effective jams." Like, <laughs> yup. <laughs> Seriously, uh, uh. I think it's interesting that you, because one of the criticisms so far has been that it's twenty songs long. But to your point, it's still an hour. You mm-hmm. know, it's not twenty songs; it's an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, it still is pretty compact and it's not an album that it's not like a, a concept album where you need to listen to the thing front to back like there's no real rhyme or reason to the flow mm-hmm. you can just listen to it um, I mean Little Wayne dropped the Carter 5 uh, which is 23 songs and that's an hour and a half Right, and, and that so to I, me was like I I felt like that was so so yeah. so long, but with this future album, 
I don't feel that way. Do yeah, actually, he, he did this, move, like... You move in and out. You weave in between songs very easily. Yeah, it's this, like, math trick where he... It's like an it's like an hour long album normally is what like fifteen sixteen songs. Yeah. And he he kept the hour and just like pushed the track number up, so then they get yeah like it jumps around quicker and it like I it it holds my attention like all the way through and I I've listened to it probably seven or eight times and I don't think I've skipped a song. Yeah, I haven't skipped a song either. Um, I've listened to it a couple. There's times. some songs that like are just like fine i think but they're they're over then do you uh, and like do you care that he hasn't necessarily like reinvented himself at all um i like kind of going back to like never being like the biggest feature fan like i was like i don't really mind um because i so i do think he the beats he chooses aren't necessarily like the most unique and you know uh and there is an argument to be made that like from his like early mixtapes to now he is it there is like some progression but it's not like i mean you still instantly recognize his future um the beats he's choosing aren't like super unique in the landscape but the whole package comes across as like distinctly future and i i mean it's working for him, so I don't personally blame him for not switching it up. No, and I, I don't either, and I, I kind of... He's not an artist that I need to go to for, I don't know, creative inspiration or anything. Like, right. I'm happy... It's with, comfort food. I'm Yeah, I'm happy with the album he put out. Um, he... I mean, the track Crazy But True is, like, kind of the crux of current future, where he recognizes, like, how big of an impact he's had on this next generation of mm -hmm. Atlanta trap stars. And he's already mentioned a couple times, like, Little Baby and Gunna are definitely the, the new wave. Like, they're next. So I'm, I'm happy with, with what kind of transpired, like, what this album was. Yeah, I don't know. It's like comfort food, and he's, he's he, because he's still str like I don't necessarily, because we have like applauded and like encouraged audience or artists to you know, like veer different ways and like take different directions in the past, but it's hard, and um, oh, it's absolutely hard, and like. I don't like. I don't blame him for like he sees what he's doing. He's those Elton John number ones. Like, why would why would he? I don't know. Yeah, like if he's he has like six, he's yeah, got six billboards. Like the lyrics. In the last three years. Yeah, that's insane. Like people are still connecting to like his like lyrics, which also just as an aside, would you read some of his lyrics? You could. I mean, like. Ever since I got successful, they envy trying to shake the devil on promethazine, trying to show you love but you don't feel me. Like that's a Drake lyric, but oh, yeah. he delivers it. Like he sounds so cool. Oh, he absolutely. Like, does. Uh, he I mean, like. But yeah. I mean, kind of going back to Drake, I think what's surprising to me is that Future is the person who has like the quickest rise to six number one albums. Like he, 
he has such a, a specific sound in hip hop. Mm -hmm. It is not a. What if you would have told me that three years ago? I'd have been like, nah, fuck no. Like, right. <laughs> there's there's no way that this is commercially viable to be the most popular music in the country. Well, it was, it, I remember like people used to like mock him for like the auto tune and stuff, and like now it's just like, yeah, this is future. Like he sounds badass. Yeah, he does. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, Felix Biederman from Chapo like, tweeted, like, Future finally made emotions cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> something along those lines, but... Finally, uh, finally cracked it. Do you think uh, that yeah. we're currently at Future Peak? Uh, if we're not, we've passed it already. Okay. I don't, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying, like, he doesn't release... An album better than this but i think at some point at some point probably sooner rather than later it does kind of run dry yeah no, but, i would say I mean, that get the bag while you can yeah i think his peak would have been that like ah, man i don't that's tough to actually put a, a thumb on because like i want to say when he went well back, do you mean peak artistically or like no popularity or oh, popularity. Or, or relevance, because I think he'll be relevant for a while longer, but I think there's definitely a new wave of rappers that are going to... Yeah. He's going to get pushed aside, but, like, last year he released two albums in two weeks and went number one both weeks. Like, that's absurd. I would say maybe his peak popularity was when he went on tour with Drake. Like, I, I honestly don't know. Like, What a Time to Be Alive is by far not his best work, but it's very listenable. Like, he was performing in tandem with the most popular artists in the world. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I mean, we probably have passed it, but I think it's interesting to kind of think that he still, like, is putting up a number one album. And, like, granted, it's been a soft... It was a soft week. Like, James Blake is never going to be number yeah. one. Like totally get that but still like i think i mean to... i think this could have gone number one against like a pretty large handful of the stuff that'll be released the next few months though oh i don't disagree and especially like i would say i mean kind of what i said in the beginning of the episode was we had a rough start to the year like there wasn't very much good music and then james blake and future came out which was really nice and then the week after it was really good mm -hmm. like we we had I, I had five or six albums that came out that next week that I really enjoyed that I think are better than this but like wouldn't necessarily have been stream worthy to rival yeah. it, you know like cool. well what will be interesting is to see if there is like a song or two from this album that does kind of maintain relevance like through the next few months you know okay like I don't, I don't know if that'll be like rocket ship or like crushed up yeah, as but... I say if there is a song what do you think it'll be I know he just released a video for Rocket Ship, so he might be trying to market that as that. Okay. Um, I feel like it'll be Crushed Up, but... Dude, I mean, Crushed Up's my favorite song. FNN also rocks. FNN, FNN is... FNN. I also think, I mean, it doesn't have, like, the pop appeal as much, but Call the Corner is so badass. Very. Um, yeah, what, yeah I mean, man. Anything else you want to... There's something out? that keeps keeps eluding me, but uh, 
Maybe I'll think of it like as soon as we stop this. That sounds about like earbuds fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, highlights of the album. I like going dummy. I really enjoy the Travis Scott feature on first off. Um, Unicorn Perp is a song with Young Thug and Gunna, which is really great. Uh, Face Shot is my favorite beat on the entire album. Um, I think it's really sick and really goes hard. Crazy But True is definitely his song about like not realizing he mentored the next wave, but recognizes it now. And then, yeah, Crushed Up and FNN are really great. I... Some of these songs, though, like when I saw the track list and then what they actually sound like did not match no. up to some of the things I was expecting. Like the song Talk Shit Like a Preacher. <laughs> very funny looking on an album, but like not necessarily a thing that I All right. enjoyed, I guess. I don't know. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Earbuds back. Wait, I just want to say one last thing. Yeah, go, go, go. Say it now, forever hold your... This wasn't what was eluding me, but I was just... um. So, at the beginning of the call the coroner, I like that, like, audio, I was like, what is that? Because it doesn't really make sense. So I just looked it up, and it's like an actual, like, audio. Um, played during the intros taken from November 18th, 2018 Today Show appearance by Drew Hogan, a former DEA agent describing firsthand knowledge of El Chapo. But he said, I think he's responsible for hundreds of quantities of drugs moving into the United States. That doesn't make sense. Hundreds of quantities? Yeah, like it bothers me every time I hear it. <laughs> and I thought it was like a line that they had wrote to like for just like some random guy to say, but like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> It'd be like hundreds of like like a decimal of a gram, but hundreds of them. So they moved like a couple grams in. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, science. that's a bad way to end Big the science. pod. But... Big science, baby. No, it's not science. It's just like. <laughs> common sense no i mean i did not pick up on that but now it's gonna bother me if i listen yeah. to that song so thank dea you. come get your man thank you for breaking the glass for me that fucking That's sucks stupid <laughs> okay uh, all right there we go first episode of 2019 <laughs> thanks for listening uh keep following along we'll have more episodes we're actually going to try and record every week hmm Oh, okay. Maybe well, now, no, we, we've got this cheat code now. Now but. we have a cheat code. This is the, for those that have listened for an hour and four minutes, um, this is the first episode that Mark and I have not done from the same location. We plugged into big time millennial technology and are using the Computers. internet to talk at the same time and hear each other. Let's go use the internet to play some Fortnite. Fuck yeah. All right. Thank you. Peace.